Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our scenario is entitled Homecoming. It was written by Thomas McKeon, who is also our game master. This is episode 16. Thomas is going to do the recap. So without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Thomas? You're listening to NBC Red, and now, our evening program. Coming to you live from Rockefeller Center in the heart of New York City, it's the adventures of Dexter Fowler. Starting, starring Corey Heisted, Jeff Wilson, Tom Rayleigh, Nick Swan, Ken Trent, and Wayne Worthy. Tonight's episode, Homecoming, episode 16. And now, for the recap. Last week, our daring heroes found themselves at the Arcane Society in Harlem, where distraught organization head Guy Jules shared with them his fears. It's his belief a secret underground cult has been, has been shadowing the Arcane Society for years, and now, at the most vulnerable, they've struck. It's Guy's belief that this cult caught wind of their associate, Tally Darby, a powerful psychic medium whose powers are still yet to be truly determined by our dashing heroes. As such, they've napped her at our sweetheart. Timothy Tucker, the man the players have been searching for, for some devious plot. Guy recently learned of a dealer who, supposedly, had had interactions with this cult before, and sends the heroes to find him, but not before they uncover tragic news. The Arcane Society is being forced to close. After turning down a deal to sell to a secretive company called the Atlantic Sea Partners, the spine-tingling, interesting zoning codes of New York have shifted, and forced, it, and forced the patrons of this once noble society out. But Guy's not leaving until he uncovers the truth. Through detective work, our heroes discover the Atlantic Sea Partners, the very group hoping to buy out the Arcane Society, is run by none other than George Fulton, the New York industrialist, who's rented space at Staten Island sewers, free of charge, but also was seen by a woman asking about both Tally and Timothy at the times of their disappearance. Before meeting a secretive broker under Williamsburg Bridge, the hair was split, hoping to uncover some other truths. Unfortunately, they were disappointed with what they found. Hawk, Thompson, Fowler, and William couldn't find anything strange about where the Arcane Society was built. Tommy was then unable to meet the lawyer taking care of Mr. Fulton's affairs, Lucas Baxter, being brushed off almost immediately. And Mr. Epstein never made it to his destination, as he was confronted by an evil German in a New York subway. Luckily, Epstein survived, but his foe didn't stand a chance against Epstein's slippery, slippery fingers. Together, the heroes met with the mysterious broker, who spoke strangely and had an unusual appearance, even though he was shrouded in darkness. Unfortunately, the heroes found this encounter frustrating, with the broker simply saying, follow the money. But perhaps this broker will come back into the story as either a surprising ally or another deadly foe. We continue our story after the group has returned to the hotel, hoping for a new day, new leads, and a new story. But what they will soon discover is that their wishes will become a reality, along with murder, horror, and suspense, tonight in The Adventures of Dexter Fowler. So, Felix, you jolt up. Everyone has just woken up. So let's, let's focus on Felix here for a second. Felix, when you get up to use the bathroom, um, you hear uh, people coming out of their rooms, 
you also hear someone screaming. You actually all hear someone screaming in Hawk's room. Um, I'm going to immediately stop what I was doing, and I'm going to uh, head that head to his room. Okay. What about everybody else? Um, I'm I'm going to grab um, some some uh, tissue paper from the bathroom, and then. I'm, I'm going to see what the screaming was about. Okay. Tommy, Ken? William's going to stand in the hall and observe what's going on as okay. the guys pile into the room. Tommy, what about you? Yep, I'm coming out of the, my room and I'm sort of not frantic, but uh, looking intently to see if William is okay. Okay. And Fowler, you're not even there. Yep. You're not even here. So let's not even focus on you. All right. So by going into Hawk's room, you see that Hawk kind of kind of had an, uh, a little bit of a nervous breakdown when he woke up. Um, I'm standing on the bed. Yeah. Holding the sheets like this. Like I'm ready to fight, but I'm holding the sheets. And I will now let you guys kind of role play this all out. So I'm, I'm breathing really hard because I've been screaming for the last couple of minutes. And I'm, I'm dazed, eyes. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at you, but I'm not quite... I'm looking around. I understand. I'm, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll ask the most obvious question. Bad dream? Jesus Christ. I uh, dreamed about him. <clears throat> Oh my God. So I, I hopped down off the bed. Oh my God. What, what, what was it? What, what, did, what did you dream about? It's, it's not so much what was in the dream. It was, It, it, it felt like there were two people in my dream. The first person was trying to warn me about something. Um, it was a woman's voice. It said that Timothy is still alive. I have the funniest feeling that it could have been, it could have been our girl that we're looking for. I don't know what her voice sounds like, but she said, "Can you, she asked me if I could hear her. She said that she was trying to contact me and that if I was strong enough that I'd be able to hear it. And I think it was a psychic connection uh, with Tally. But then something else came, something that was really angry it intruded into the dream. It tore everything away. It screamed at me that I was next, that it would eat my soul. And that's when I woke up. I need a drink. I really yeah. need a drink. Um, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's find something to drink. I mean, it'd be kind of hard for us to do. I thought uh, these night terrors were all over with. Oh. 
That was the worst one I've ever had. And I could definitely empathize with uh, Hulk right now, particularly about the, uh, the, the night terrors. Thank you. Yeah. You, had a, you had a bad dream too, Professor? Yeah, but I'm, I, I don't want to get into it right now. Let's, let's. Uh, oh, let's come on. You might as well share your dreams. I shared my dreams. You can share yours. Something obviously is trying to get to us. I'm glad to see that William's all right, because I had a bad dream that William was not in good shape. Yeah. I had a dream that Hawk wasn't in good shape. And I wake up and I find that he isn't in good shape. So, yeah, let's just, um, let's just get you calmed down. And, yeah, I'll, I'll um, I guess we, we set you up with some, some sort of drink. Uh, were there uh, alcoholic beverages in our... Prohibition. Uh, they wouldn't be. I don't. Any. But I mean, no. But I, the flask. Yeah. Oh um, yes. Yeah. Did did we? Did, did did we all have nightmares? I did. Because uh, I had this horrible dream about my teeth falling out and stuff and. Oh, I hate that dream. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I mean, it's supposed to be a sign of loss of control. Well, I'm, I'm just, look, given, given the, given the things that have happened to us before, I mean, it, it, could, could this be something that, that someone's, I don't even know how to say it, but something someone's doing to us? Yeah, I mean, I after, after all that stuff in the house the other day, I mean, this, this, is some, this is some strange stuff. What do we have for dinner? Don't they say spicy food gives you bad dreams? I think that we just have to consider that. Wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. She didn't just tell me that Timothy was alive. It was like hearing a radio signal, kind of scratchy, but she said 101 39th Street, 427 a.m. That's pretty fucking spe specific. Sorry, my language. I'm upset. 101 39th Street, 427 a.m. She wanted us to be there after she told me Timothy was alive. What time is it now? I'm going to say it's about five. Sun hasn't come up, but it's morning. Do you, do you, do you think this was... This was her trying to, to... She said she was in the future. Did she want... Well, first of all, we should find out what 101 39th Street is. And then, does she mean I, tomorrow morning? 
I guess. I mean, uh, I, I can see her do, but, but then why send the rest of us nightmares and about... I'm not so sure that she sent us nightmares. That thing, whatever it was that attacked me, that was definitely a nightmare. It, it, was, it was an entity. And I think that I've seen it before in previous dreams. Although I usually only saw its eyes. Same eyes, red eyes, glowing in the dark. Wait a minute, we just left, before we went all went to bed, we just left the weird crazy guy under the bridge, right? That's right. That would give anybody nightmares. That was, that was scary. William, you're quiet. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just absorbing all of this, you know. William just walks quietly over to Hawk and maybe because he has an empathy for some of the stuff that's going on with him, he just puts a quiet hand on his shoulder. Well, you're, you're sensitive to these things. Did you get anything from her? I didn't receive any message from Tally, no. But that's pretty specific. That's pretty pretty specific. I can hear it almost ringing in my head. 101 39th Street, 427 AM. But it's past that now, so she must mean tomorrow or the next day or the next. I think she means tomorrow. Well, I don't think I can go back to sleep. Neither can I. I mean, if you want to look into it now, you could do that. Well, there's not much traffic this time of the morning. There's still traffic, but there's not much. Right. 5 a.m. Yeah, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather do that than go back to bed. Stop them, she said. Be there. Stop them. Who is them? I'm sorry, little bits are coming back to me bit by bit. And that's when the phone rings. Who the hell is calling at five in the morning? Well, I, I would be startled, particularly. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking that what we're talking, but we're talking sort of quietly and there might be a bit of space in between what we're saying and then all of a sudden phone rings. Well, it's in my room, so I'll pick up the phone. Yeah, it's it, it, all the phones are ringing in the uh, in the suite, but um, you pick up the phone and you kind oh. of hear heavy breathing. Oh, not that again! Oh, it's you. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, it's Arthur again. <laughs> um, you then you Hello. hear the voice of Guy, and he says, "Hawk." He, yeah, it's, yes. Um, guy, a guy, the guy from the, uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's uh, asthmatic. Um, uh, he, he, he goes, the cult, they know what's going on. There's been a break in at the arcane society. Uh Oh, um, perhaps, perhaps that explains the evil dreams. Is anything missing? Oh, the police just showed up. We're, we're, we're waiting for them to, to tell us to come on. Uh, can you get down here? Yeah, we're on our way. Is there... Uh, 
All right, we're on our way. Fucking New York, Arcane Society. They've had a break in. Can can William just keep his dressing gown on? Because it's got deep pockets on the dressing gown. Put put your jacket on over it because it's cold out. All right. So, is everyone fine with going to the Arcane Society? Yep. Well, should we call Dexter? See if he's had a dream. Let's call him really quick before we leave. Bring, bring. I I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello? Wake up, Dexter. Wake up. Uh, First off, did you have a weird dream? I had a pleasant dream, actually. All right, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) You're obviously not part of this. Fuck you. (laughs) No. All right, we got to go to the Arcane Society. Uh, They've had a break in. Okay, I will. uh, Why do you write there right away? Fowler is clearly not only tired; he's also drunk. Ah. (laughs) So when the demon lord showed up in his dream, they danced, and he had a great time. And yeah, he had a pleasant dream. Okay. So we're going to jump ahead to the Arcane Society. Uh, we'll say that Fowler picked you all up. You're all in his car. It's a huge car. Okay. Um, all right. It's so as big as a whale. It's as big as a whale. Um, when you guys arrive, you can see that police are already on scene. Three cars. Um, they're, they're, they're taking statements, looking around. So you see... Uh, all somebody, out of the... somebody open my door? <laughs> There's no doors. There's not 18 doors. Um, there's not a sliding door. Uh, so out on the sidewalk, you see Kaus, Kim, and Guy. If you don't remember who they are, that's fine. It's been too oh, No, um, Kaus guy again. They've been... That, that being, guy's a schmuck. They're being talked to by police, uh, by one officer. Uh, down the block a little bit, you can also see that there are three other people being questioned by two officers. One is a woman who's got a stroller with obviously a child in it. And then um, two, the other two are men. One is kind of a middle-aged guy. The other one is kind of a short, stocky, uh, elderly man. They're kind of talking to the police. Well, that's weird. What's she doing out this time of the morning? Exactly. I was about to ask the same thing. I'll tell you what, guys. I'm a detective. I can take this opportunity to, to get a look around the Arcane Society without them interfering. Uh, let's see if we can find out if anything's missing. You might need to fast talk those police. Yeah. Not a problem. Um, William wants to go and check out what's going on with the the people on the street. Tommy, Tommy, do you want to come and check out what's happening? Because that could be a devil child. Henry, why don't you come with me? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was about to suggest this. Uh, well, I was going to ask if you needed uh, assistance. I could assist you. Well, we'll see if we can grab Guy there. Yeah. He seems the most helpful if they 
Yeah. I I I will go with Tommy and uh, William. William. So you guys are going to talk to the people outside? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go with them as well. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll we'll talk to the people outside. So, um, the first thing I'm going to say is to Guy, and the others, I'm, I'm like, is anything missing? Well, uh, well, I guess we'll we'll start with uh, Henry Hawk then. Um, as you guys approach, you can actually you can actually hear overhear the officer saying, um, "We're lucky they didn't make it past uh, the big door that you have in the back." Uh, it looks like they didn't take anything else in any of the other rooms. They didn't even go into your offices, it looks like. And you can kind of see Kim kind of relieved. She kind of leans down. Um, Koss has got his arms kind of crossed like like so. He's 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 pissed that the cops are kind of just they're like, oh, they broke in, but nothing's really gone, so you're fine. Um, guy kind of looks over at you, Hawk, and he says, oh, oh, uh, Officer, this here, uh, this is uh, Clifton Hawk. He's a he's a private investigator. Detective. Uh, all right, and uh, and he then voice and this is a uh, Mister Mister Thompson. Isn't that correct, Professor Thompson? Professor Thompson, yes. Uh, and the the copy kind of turns to you and he says, "All right, well, I'll tell them. What I, I'll tell you what I told them. Looks like uh, whoever broke in, they made it past the front door, and he points to it." Um, by blasting the knob with some kind of small explosive. Uh, it's pretty intense for uh, just some casual robbers looking to make a, a single store, a score. Uh, then looks like they made it their way to the back room, or to the back room, um, but they couldn't get in. Uh, we'll go and so if you want to come inside, gentlemen, and uh, he kind of waves everybody in. Um, He's going to do now kind of like a walkthrough with them to show them what's going on. Okay. Um, while, while you guys are walking, we're going to jump to uh, the other four. So you four, you kind of, you're walking down the sidewalk. There is a, uh, there's an officer. He's drinking Greek coffee as the, you know, as New York officers do. And he sees you and he looks like he's like 21 years old. And he's like, hey, uh, you're not supposed to be back here. And he says that in the most passive, non-authoritative way possible. Oh, oh um, no one, no one told us not to to come here. Well, we're uh, we're, que- we're question we're questioning witnesses down there. So, uh, Wit- witnesses, what, 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 what's happening? What? Hey, AC's Fowler. He says, "Aren't you that guy from the radio?" Maybe I am. Oh, I love your stuff. And he takes a drink of his coffee. William says oh, yes. He's de- Detective Fowler from the radio. Yes. He's on a case. Oh, man. Well, you're here. So, uh, and, he kind of, and he kind of waves, uh, waves you guys forward. Um, he kind of waves you forward and he says, and he kind of calls out to the other two a question the witnesses. And he says, he's like, hey guys, this, this, this is, it's Dexter Fowler. And, he point, and, they, and they kind of turn and they're like, who? They're like, they're seasoned cops. They're like, what the, who the hell is Dexter Fowler? Um, and you can see that the, the woman is kind of cradling her child. Um, she's kind of, it's awake and it's crying. Um, the other two gentlemen are in, like, they're like in pajamas. In fact, the, the middle-aged guy is in his robe. Um, 
So uh, he then says, they then say, uh, Dylan, we're trying to do an investigation here. We're trying to question witnesses, not meet celebrities. Uh, and they're and now they're arguing kind of amongst themselves about your your antics, Fowler. So it kind of gives you an in with the witnesses. Okay. Well, so well, I... William quietly just steps over to the witnesses while they're discussing it all. Okay. Uh, so the witnesses are kind of left unattended. Come on, Tommy. I basically say to this officer, thank you so much. And I kind of all mention, you know, my show next kind of thing. Mm. Mention my show, and then I kind of go on kind of. Sure, and, the and they're kind of just, they're kind of just like, what the fuck, what do you think you're doing? They're not stopping you, but they're just like, what the hell do you think you're doing? So they're not going to pull you away from the witnesses. So you've got the two gentlemen, and then you've got the woman kind of off to the side. Whoever's closer, the the gentleman or the woman, I'll turn to and say, what happened? Are you all right? Um, wow, it is really windy outside. Wow. That's, I heard that, that. that scared me. Um, okay. Um, Weather blows. I know. Ha, ha, ha. So... Um, all right, we'll say that you're talking to the, uh, we'll say the woman's off kind of to the side. Uh, we'll, t we'll say the two gentlemen. Um, the, the older man, he's speaking a language, and he's speaking very quickly, and he's doing a lot of hand gestures. It's, very, it's clearly Italian. Um, and the middle-aged man is saying, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're saying. And he's like, I don't know what you're saying, Lorenzo. I don't know what you're trying to say. Um, and he and uh, the middle-aged man he turns to you and says, uh, "Are you uh, are you police?" Uh, not exactly. We're helping with the investigation. Detective. Fowler uh, just says detective. <laughs> this. Uh, he then says uh, he then holds out a hand and says, uh, "Name's Gary Johnson," and he kind of nods and says. This is my neighbor, Lorenzo. Hopefully you're more helpful than these schmucks. And he kind of uh, points to the, uh, the police who are arguing amongst themselves about Dexter. He says, friend here, he can't, speak, uh, he can't speak English, so they just won't take our statements. Even though he literally saw the men that, that drove away. Um, what, can, can you describe the people that ran away? Uh, I didn't see him. I heard a sound. It sounded like a, a gunshot or something like that. So I, I got dressed and I went outside. And when I did, I, I saw Lorenzo. He was outside too, coming back from somewhere. Maybe he was taking out the trash. I don't know. I can't understand him. Uh, as L Lorenzo was walking across the street, uh, this blue sedan shot around the corner right over here and nearly hit him. Uh, Lorenzo, he, he smacked the car. He started shouting at him, and that's when a guy on the passenger side, he rolled down the window and shouted at him, and eventually he pulled out a gun. And Lorenzo, he took a step back, and they just drove, drove right down the street. I just saw him around the corner. Um, and Lorenzo, he's looking at, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Felix. He's looking at you, Felix, and there's a very pleading look, and he just keeps saying the same thing over. 
is, you know, I can't, I took one year of Italian. I can't say what he's trying to say. But he, he just he keeps going like this and he keeps saying the same thing over and over again. Well, what is it? What's, what does he keep saying over and over again? I, I don't manja. know. I manja, manja, manja. Mm. Buongiorno. It is buongiorno. Cause it's oh home. my God. We're going to get thrown off. <laughs> A pizza I don't, pie. I don't, I don't speak Italian. The only, the only phrase in Italian I know is crampe alla gambe. Spaghetti. My apologies to all of the Italians <laughs> out there. This horrible, horrible representation. Don't handle the fruit. <laughs> <laughs> William takes out his little note oh, no, that's he, he, he always he always carries with him, mm-hmm. and and he kind of tries to calm the man down and emotions car, and like number plate and a point if there's a car nearby in the street I point down to the number plate, and I I get the pen out and hand it to him to maybe get a number plate off him if it's possible. Okay, give me one second. I'm gonna pass this on to Hawk and Thompson. Uh, we're gonna jump back to you in here just a moment. Uh, so go ahead and read that. Uh, but okay. Um, so he then Lorenzo then grabs you, uh, William. I keep calling you Ken because your fucking thing says Ken. <laughs> um, Sorry. He grabs you. It's it's fine. He grabs you, William. He grabs you by the sleeve, and he begins walking you down the sidewalk. Gary just okay. there's just like I don't know what he's doing. I just go over the floor. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the old man he's kind of he's kind of tugging at you and grabbing at your shirt and just kept saying the same thing. The same thing over and over and over again. Does, does he look like he's taking me somewhere or is he just it, kind of It does. It looks like it's guided. Okay. Right, I just go with the floor and see where he's going. What about everybody else? Gary is kind of walking with Lorenzo. Lorenzo's an old man, and he's their neighbors. So he's going to go with him. What about the other two? Um, the woman and the baby are just kind of standing there waiting for the cops to come back and talk to her. Um, well, I'll, I shall um, walk over to them. Okay. Um, I'm questioning the baby. No, I'll begin questioning the woman. What about you, uh, Fowler? Where are you going? Did you see what happened? I will. I will follow the two, the Italians. Okay, the Italians. It's the Italian job. Okay. Thomas, right. did you say you sent me something? I did. I think I did. I want to say I did in chat. Oh, uh, I see that, but I'm not in that group right now. So. Oh, you're not in that group, and you're not in the group chat. No, I mean I'm not with them. I'm in the house. I know. I'm jumping back to you. Okay. I'm jumping back to you right now. Okay, so you guys enter into the Arcane Society. Okay. Um, and go ahead, Hawk. Looks like you're going to say something. So, Guy, uh, uh, have you looked through here? Do you, do you know if anything is missing? He, uh, he kind of shrugs and says, you know, this is the first time I've gone through here. And the officer, um, he begins pointing. He begins pointing at the different wings. And says, as you can see, this wing and this wing have been completely untouched. Uh, they went to your offices and they opened the main door, but they didn't go through. They didn't go through anything. They just kind of looked inside. This is very perplexing. 
a guy, this is like the second time you've been broken into, isn't it? You were broken into back in December. He then, he then kind of looks at you strangely and then says, I believe I heard that the Arkham one was broken into. Oh, is that what you wrote me? Yes. Oh. That's okay. It was, it was the, I'll, I'll correct um, Paul, and I'll say it was, it was the Arkham branch, not this one. Oh. Nothing, nothing was stolen there. I don't believe there was anything stolen from there. Well, I'm not sure that they would tell us if there was. Um, 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 what you're telling me is that these people came here. They, they blew up the lock on the door, which made a loud noise, which alerted the neighbors. They came, they broke in. And then they turned around without actually getting anywhere, jumped in their car and drove away. Well, let's go. Inept well, let's go down to the and uh, Kaus kind of scoffs at that. And Kaus says, "Well, I didn't say they didn't try." And he uh, begins uh, walking down uh, to the main, uh, the end door, the door to the vault. Um. And you can see, uh, as I mentioned, I think in like two episodes ago, there are locks just all down this thing. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see that they, they try, they're, they're huge locks. They tried blasting them, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't give. Um, but you can see uh, points where they tried, you know, breaking them off and everything like that. And he says, they tried, the officer says, they tried breaking into this room here, but... They couldn't make a, they couldn't get uh, in before they probably heard officers on their way, probably heard sirens. So I'm, I'm looking up and down the locks and I turn back and I look at Kaus and I'm like. Uh, the officer then turns and says, can we open this up please? And Kaus kind of scoffs and says, what for? And she says, to make sure nothing was stolen. They um, may have. We'll make sure, uh, uh, the, the society will make sure that nothing was stolen. Uh, there's some sensitive, uh, top secret uh, national security stuff in here that, uh, that we keep for the, the government. We can't he, allow anybody inside. He stares at you for a moment and says, I don't know what you're doing here, civilian, but... I just need these doors open. I just need them to go through and make sure everything is fine. I, I'm a member of this society. I'm sorry. Uh, we can't. We can't open the locks. He then turns to Kaus, and kind of glares at him. Kaus looks back at you, looks at him, and just he just shakes his head and grabs the 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 key ring from his pocket. And the officer then nods, and says, "Thank you, sir." And he does, undoes the locks. So I sort of step out of the way. Um, and I look over at Kaus, like, are you out of your fucking mind? He opens the doors. Um, and inside uh, is a very, I wouldn't say lavish, but it's very sophisticated. It's very, uh, it's very immaculately done. Uh, inside, you can see that there are artifacts, about nine uh, in display cases. Some are as small as like a series of just tiny little gold tokens, and some are as um, are as large as a literal staff. And it's just set into into a display case, and you can see placards. You can say you can you know, on that staff it reads the staff of uh, of Hypa. Um, in the back, you can see that there are 
um, books in shelves, shelves and shelves and shelves. Some of the books are exposed, um, but as you guys enter, I'm imagining you're entering, mm -hmm. um, you can see that some of the books, about a handful, sit on the shelves, and they're not books. They're literally concrete slabs. There's about six of them. Uh, give me a better description of what you're talking about. Do they, they look, look like books? They look, well, they're about the shape of a book, but they're, con they're, they're smooth concrete slabs. Like Kind of, but they're but they're ah. very they're very clearly concrete. They're smooth, and you can see chalk drawings on them, symbols and sigils all over them. Well, I'm I'm looking around at everything and making a mental picture of it, but I'm also occasionally glancing over at Klaus, like, "What are you doing?" Um, the officer he kind of just stands there and he just. Holds out his hand and says, take an inventory and make sure that everything's here. And you can see that uh, that Guy and Kim and, 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 and Kaus, they kind of begin going over everything, making sure nothing's been touched. Um, it's very, it would be very obvious if something were moved. Everything was very in its place here. Um, but you see that Kaus basically immediately goes to the books and he counts. One, two, three, four, five, six. And he's counting the concrete slabs. Um, and he just breathes a sigh of relief. Um, and he goes over to Guy and he nods and he says, they're here. Uh, and, and Guy kind of shrugs and says, uh, if they couldn't get through the locks, then I'm sure that everything is here. Uh, and Costa then says, uh, you know, you can, you're overhearing all this. He says, we need better security of goons like that. And Guy then very, in a very hushed tone says, it wasn't goons, it was the cult. I know it was. We brought them in, they began looking into things. And all of a sudden we get a break in, it's too coincidental. Um, what are you, what, uh, Hawk, Thompson, what are you guys doing? Are you? I mean, do we, are we able to hear him say that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say I'm listening to what they're saying, but I'm pretending to just look around the room. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my focus uh, is on them. I'll follow um, Paul's lead. I'm not going to, I mean, if he doesn't say anything, I won't. But uh, yeah, but I'll, you, I'll, I'll listen as well. Um, and, and Kim then approaches uh, the officer and says, everything seems to be fine. And the officer then says, wonderful. Get some new locks for that front door. Call us if anything else happens. Uh, whoever did the locks on these doors, give him a fucking gold medal. And he just walks away. Uh, and then Kim, when, when the man leaves, Kim then also go, goes, and goes, one, two, three, four, five, six. Just to make sure. Um... Guy and Kaus, you know, the, the, the conversation at the point kind of ends with Kaus just kind of being like, there's no cult. It was obviously just a, a bunch of goons trying to get in and they didn't see anything valuable in here. Of course, it's something going to be valuable um, 
behind the door with 12 locks. So they tried getting in there, but it didn't work. Guy, on the other hand, is pretty adamant that this was the cult. Um, Kim then approaches you guys, you two, and says, thank you for coming. Uh, obviously, we expected it to be a lot worse than it actually is. Well, I'd say that your locks held. I, she, I, I wouldn't have let the police in here to see any of this, but... She then kind of raises an eyebrow. Why do you say that? Why would you? These are artifacts, are they not? She then kind of gives you uh, a look uh, and says, well, it's not, it's not like a patronizing look, but it's just kind of like, no. She's dealt with this with, with Guy before, and she says, um, not everyone is, is out to steal valuables. Some people like you just do want to help. Mm-hmm. And she... Uh, and she uh, looks at and she looks at the tablets and she says, "It could have been worse." Um, there's a couple of questions. If as soon as everything calms down, would you mind if we have a conference, all of us together? It's time that we lay aside any differences or or, or everything. We need to we need to know what's going on. She then kind of raises another eyebrow and says. Uh, what do you mean? We just need to get all, all of our books in a row. <laughs> if you don't mind the sort of funny reference to the books. And she smiles and says, that's fine. Um, we can, we're more than, I'm sure that the other two would be more than willing to talk to you after this. If, um, if I ask you about the, uh, the tablets. Ah. Uh, and she nods um, and says, uh, your members, we trust you. These are the most dangerous artifacts in our possession. First, uh, Guy sends the book to Tally, who translates the most mundane pages for research sake. Um, but then she wards the object. She places wards on the cover. Uh, Then it's passed on to Kaus, who uh, takes the book, places it into a steel, a reinforced steel lockbox, which he then sets into concrete. Ah. And then finally, um, Kaus takes chalk with wards that Tally's provided, and he draws them on making it very difficult. And then you hear, you hear Kausen say, uh, making it very difficult for anyone to take a concrete slab out of here without breaking it. That's a very interesting choice. Uh, he then nods and says, if Guy believes that these books have some kind of draw, then I'm fine with giving Tally the ability to ward it and giving me these wards. But honestly, putting it in concrete is the smartest decision possible. They need to bring sledgehammers or drag a 200 pound concrete slab out of here, down those hallways and into a car. I'd, I'd make one additional thing. I'd stack them in the corner of the room over there and set something on top of them so that they don't even know that they're books. 
he then kind of waves his hand and says, no one's even in here. The fact that those dullards asked me to open this door is irrelevant. Mr. Kaus, there is something very, very odd going on in New York. Um, I think that we need to level with you and tell you everything that we know so far and see if we can pool our information. And, uh, and he kind of rolls his eyes and just walks away and just goes, like he's accepting of it, but he doesn't believe that this cult thing is a real thing. He's more worried about we're about to lose all of this. I, I turn to Kim and I'm like, he's rather dismissive of possible threats, don't you think? She then uh, kind of looks at you and says, when you deal with Guy, um, you'd understand. Guy, because, and you can see kind of, you, you can see Guy walking out with Kaus, which is, Guy is a little obsessive. Well. And a little bit paranoid. That's not a bad thing. She then kind of, she kind of smiles at both of you very timidly and says, not when it just destroys you and everything. That's why we didn't sell. He was afraid that the people who are trying to buy this out are cult members and that the books won't be safe in anybody else's hands but ours. It's ludicrous. Well, there may be other things going on here that we need to discuss. In, in any case, I can see that you're, you, you've got things in hand here. Uh, we'll have to replace those locks. Um, we need to collect our friends, see what they're up to. They're probably talking to the people outside. But uh, the one question that keeps sticking in my mind is why on earth would these criminals blow open the lock on the front door and cause people to, to wonder what the noise was when they could have just as easily picked the lock or, uh, or done well, something perhaps, along that line? Perhaps they tried picking the lock and it wasn't so easy for them. And yeah, but then what do you do? Pull the pull pull explosives out of your pocket. You 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 have explosives because you intended to use explosives. Mm. So she, she then shrugs and says, "I, I don't know." Uh, and now we're gonna jump back to the others. Right. Okay, others. So um, Felix, I'm just gonna say this right now. What you gather from the woman is pretty mundane and pretty simple. Um, she is the one that initially called the cops. She was walking her baby because it was, it was early in the morning um, and the baby wouldn't stop crying. So she put it in the stroller, trying to walk around the block, trying to tire it out. Um, when she saw men uh, running into the building, called the cops, waited around a corner until the cops arrived, and that's it. That's pretty pretty mundane story. She's just the, the initial person who called the cops. I see. Does she, can she describe the, uh, the men she saw? She says that they were driving in a blue sedan, that there were about four of them, um, and that they were dressed in um, all black. Did they, did they look like hoods, tufts? They looked like mobsters, all black, hats, 
Hmm. Um, so now, if you want to, we can just assume that you've now run back down to join the other four. Well, walked briskly. Briskly. Walked I'll, briskly. I'll, I'll keep my composure. Sure. I mean, they're not going too fast. Um, Lorenzo, um, he walks you several blocks, all four of you, several blocks to a parking lot. And he claps his hands and he points and he says the same thing he's been saying, but this time in just like a more concrete fashion. And what he points to is the blue sedan. He cool. saw it turn the corner and pull into the parking lot. Wow. Let's go and, let's go and check it out before the cops yeah, come. Yeah, let, let's, let's go check it out. Uh, Gary, as you guys kind of make your way forward, Gary kind of stands there and he's like, should we go get the cops or something? No. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> so they kind of stand there and Lorenzo's just like making these exaggerated, like, I told you so. Like, I, it was in the parking lot. I saw it go down the street and into the parking lot. I was saying parking lot. Sorry, um, my... my Italian is not that. Uh... Well, he doesn't say that in English. He's just like that's that's clearly what he's making reference to. I was like, I knew where it was. No one would listen to me because I only speak Italian. Um, well, William uh, Thomas to Dexter and says, "Mr. Detective, this is your thing. Let's check it out." Yeah, let's go check it out. Okay, so getting into the car, pretty easy because there's no passenger side window. Um, it looks like it's been busted out, which is pretty obvious. There are bits of glass all over the passenger floor. No. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go around. You know, I want to do kind of like a initial kind of, you know, circle check kind of thing. See if there's any like dank dinks or dents or things. Yeah, that seems seems relatively in, in, in good condition. I look uh, under I look underneath the vehicle, see if there's like anybody. No, no one no one hiding out underneath the car. And I can I don't know. I will attempt to try and open up the trunk. No, I'll go. Yeah, you open up the trunk, spare tire, car car, like it's all there, like nothing. Uh, Nothing out of the ordinary? Nothing out, of, nothing out of the ordinary around the car. But you haven't looked inside. I know. I am. That's what I'm going to do next, is I'm going to look inside the car next. Like, okay. look over. What is everyone else doing? As Dexter's kind of looking under the car, looking in the trunk, what, everyone, what is everyone else looking at? I'm going to keep an eye out for um, any men uh, dressed in black who look like mobsters. Okay. Because um, the last thing I want to do is, the last thing I want is for someone to sneak up on us while he's looking in their car. William's okay. just standing, peering in the window, into the car. Okay. What about you, Tommy? I'm going to be looking around to see why they would park in the parking lot. If there's somewhere they would have escaped to, like anything that looks, quote, mobby, that makes any sense. Okay. Tommy and Felix, give me spot hiddens. Um, Fowler's going to look in the car, so he doesn't see this. Go ahead, Tommy and, and Felix. 
14. I made it by one. Okay. Oh, well, you, you both made hard. It. it would have been an extreme, but I was one away from an extreme. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Um, you see, kind of sparsely laid out, from the passenger door, a trail of glass shards. Maybe they got stuck to someone's leg or on their shoe. But you can see that there's a small trail. There's like these little glints. Um, and if you were to follow them, kind of just if you look where they go, um, now that you've kind of spotted the line, they lead into the subway station down the street. Oh. Well, perhaps we'd be better off um, following that. I, I guess if, if, if they've made a run for the subway station, um, you know, the chances are they've, um, they've dumped this car. It was, it, was, it was probably stolen. Yeah, it's very obvious that this was pre-planned. Can we tell, unless this is what Dexter's going to look at, but can we tell whether or not the glass looks like it was busted in or busted out? It was busted in. Um, so, uh, Fowler, uh, you're, you're looking into the car. Um, so let's do that really quick. So, um, cigar cigarette butts all over the car. They're all over. Um, and there's even um, a pack that's been crumpled up and it's been thrown in the back. Um, and grabbing it, you read uh, Ogden's Cigarettes. That's the brand. The brand that you're, you've never heard of. So obviously, yeah, it's my attempt. I never heard of this, so. Yeah, they're not Camel. They're not Marble. They, they, this is, you've never heard of this brand of cigarettes. Yeah. Or seen this. It's like a, it's like a little Robin. Um, I, I will keep, I will keep the, you know, I'll put it in my pocket. It might be useful. Okay. Um, as you're putting it in your pocket, as you're kind of leaning out, you see that in the tray, this is all pretty, this is all pretty obvious that the car has been cleaned significantly other than the glass. Um, in the tray, you can find that there's some loose change, a little bit of garbage, um, but you also see a used matchbox, most likely for the cigarettes. Um, okay. it's, a, it's for a bar called the Black Horse Tavern. And I'm, what, I, I'm, I'm letting you, I'm letting you do it without a hidden because you know that bar. It sticks out. It, like seeing that little matchbox sticks out to you. Um, well, you what know was the it, name of it? Black. Black, the Black Horse. Tavern. It's by the Hudson River. It's a pretty rough bar for sailors and unsavory types, mainly criminals. Okay. Uh, anything else in here? Um, other than in the glove box, it's registered to a guy named Tom Alden. No. But that's probably just the owner of the car. It looks like this car's been broken into. Okay. Um, I said, okay, so that's, if there's nothing else, I will uh, go.
go to uh, see if you're where's Tommy and uh, Felix. Uh, check. Uh, Dexter. Oh. Yeah. Check to see the uh, the ignition. See if there's a like it was busted. Okay. I then check the ignition. No, it works. Weird. They did not, they did not use a screwdriver. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Was they just stole a car to, to do their crime and then ditched it? Well, Tommy, do you have any mechanics? Any electrical? Any? No, just base. I'll, do, you, do you have drive? Uh, base, yep. Yeah. Uh, we'll just give it. You don't need to use the screwdriver to do the to make the car run you just you know all you need to do is just set the primer and it goes so maybe they didn't need a screwdriver maybe that they were maybe they were smart enough to get underneath get to the wires spark it tie it off put it back okay well i have i have a 30 and i have 30 in drive so yeah we're also going to say that you started the car and uh you used a screwdriver and you broke it because how did you have the keys <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It was it was for the greater good. You need to know if it started. Um but yeah, no, that's that's all that's here. Um I'm well, also we, can, gonna... we, we could let the officers know it's here now. We've had a look. Yeah. Um building off of the subway, um there's no guarantee that you will know where they went. It's just very obvious that this was planned. They, they picked a car that probably wasn't anywhere nearby. They came here. They broke in. Something happened. Most likely the woman saw them while they were in the middle of doing their thing. Or, yeah. Um, and when the sirens rang, they knew exactly what to do. Get in the car, drive down to the parking lot, get out, go to the subway, leave. Okay. I tell Tommy and I tell Felix... And I tell you there, Trent, can too, that um, basically uh, I give, I show him this uh, cigarette pack. I'm like, this is really weird. Uh, what, do you do you know what this brand is, uh, Felix or Tommy? Hogden's isn't isn't that a that's that's some kind of British thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Don't they? They make a um, pipe tobacco called Ogden's Nut Gum Flake. Well, like I said, I I've never heard of this brand. I was wondering if you know it, so you probably obviously know the brand there. Uh, yes, yeah, I think it's some kind of. I, I didn't know they made cigarettes, but I think it's some kind of European company. Uh, that's a, that's something. So we're what German? Maybe was it German oh. stuff? Germans uh, did uh, use the subway to get away when Felix followed him. I just, I just want to know: uh, would it be me? Would it be the Germans? Would it be the same kind of brand of like group of Germans that you kind of encountered there, uh, Felix? Um, I'm just going to put my hand in my pocket and. Uh... 
feel the, 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 the large heavy object that's in my pocket and um, look back at them and say, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, it could be. Okay, and I also show him them the uh, match in the Black Horse Tavern. Well, we're going to, since we started a little bit late, we're going to jump ahead, if, if I may. Um, pol police are done. They've left. They've repoed the car. They're going to alert the, the owner um, that you found his stolen car. In fact, it was actually reported missing a day ago. So, Can I, can I ask one more question? Yes, um, you may, my friend. The woman that was watching all this unfold while she was waiting for the police, uh -huh. could she give us a rough estimate, like a time? Did they basically, they blew the lock, they ran in. How long were they inside for? Um, she says that they came with a bag. One tried do, undoing the lock. Um, one then pushed him aside, reached into the bag, took something out, put it in the lock, boom, smoke. They then took the bag, rushed inside. Um, she called the cops, came back to that same corner. So probably about five minutes. Sirens. So in, a, in the course of about 10 minutes. So not particularly long. Okay. And did she see them leave? She saw them go in. She saw them come out. Could she tell if the bag had something in it? There was definitely something in the bag. Okay. So, okay, interesting. Okay. Uh, it, was a, it was a smaller bag. It wasn't like a big duffel. It was a smaller bag. It was slung up on one shoulder, and he kind of brought it down. He reached in. He took something out, basically almost immediately, stuck it in the lock. Boom. Something stolen about the size of a cantaloupe? Uh, no. She just said she doesn't really know. Okay. She also... She, what she also does know is that, you know, there were, there were, there was a lot of stuff in there. She imagines that it's the same thing that he took out because he reached in and just pulled it out. Uh, reached in, pulled what out? He reached in, pulled something out, stuck it in the lock, pulled out a lighter, held it to the lock, stepped back, poof of smoke. Oh, he reached into the bag to pull that out. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Thanks. Yeah. This, is, this right. is an awfully sophisticated way of doing things. I mean, it's clearly a, a, a smash and grab, but according to them, nothing was taken. So either, either they don't know what was taken or they're hiding what was taken. I, I think they are hiding. I think they're hiding something. Um, I it's just it seems just seems really weird. Well, we're gonna jump ahead. Police have done their thing. What does everybody want to do? We're back in the group. Um, we've got several leads. We've got the George Fulton lead. We because you have his address. Um, You've got the address given to Hawk in his dream. What else, my friends? I would say, I mean, if, if, if we're uh, putting ideas out there, I, I, I 
would be interested in checking you on this address uh, from Hulk's dreams. Well, the dream said 4.27 in the morning. So we should find the place first and then, yeah, see what it means. Um, and then we were going to, and then spend the rest of the day looking up, uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, Fulton? Fulton, yeah. Um, yeah, actually, you do, you know where he is because you got his address from the, uh, from the, the Hall of Records. All right. So pretty easy to find them. Um, but yeah, so you guys want to head to the, uh, head to the location. The, the well, no, because we got to have breakfast. Um, that's a good, that's a good idea. But I think what we're going to do is drive past. No, wait, is, is Fulton's place closer or is 101 39th street closer to where we're when, at? when you keep repeating it, um, Felix and Dexter, you know kind of where that is. It's in Red Hook. Um, so uh, oh, it's in, uh, it's, in, it's in Red Hook. I don't know if you guys know much about Red Hook. It's a rough neighborhood. It is a it's very not, rough neighborhood. It's not my city. It's a very rough neighborhood. Is, rough is that is that the same area that Dexter knows that the matchbook came from the Black Horse Tavern? Is that Red Hook as well? Um, give me one second. Dexter also recognized the, the address of the bar. Yeah. yeah I know. I've, I've dealt with tons of other people in that area. Like in that. Well, to, to answer Hawk's original question, um, Fulton's office would probably be the closest. Fulton's office is in Manhattan. So it's not that far. Well, okay, but his his office isn't open at seven in the morning. His his office is. I mean, you could drive past. It's a thirteen story skyscraper, with people going in and out at all hours. All right. Well, whichever way uh, looks like, we'll go there first instead of. Uh... You don't want to go to breakfast. Well, this is all after breakfast. Well, let's do breakfast really quick. Yeah, I I, I want breakfast. I could eat. So uh, yeah, I, I can eat too. Okay. Pancakes. Can I get pancakes? Everyone goes yeah. to IHOB and gets burgers. I um, hate that place. <laughs> so, so no idea what you're talking about now. As you've lost as, me entirely. As you guys are eating breakfast at a, a, a diner, um, you're all noticing something. Everyone who has a newspaper, um, the front page, you can see it's big, bold letters stretch across the top. Um, it's a day's paper. It reads, Murder Victim's Body Missing. What's, what's all this about, then? I'll, I'll have a look, I think. Let's grab a newspaper. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I, gra I grab a newspaper. Uh, if there's none here, I go outside, grab one from the. Sure. All right. Well, whatever it is, we're gonna we're gonna have Felix do it. So go ahead. Murder victim's body missing, April the eleventh, nineteen thirty-one, New York, New York. 
Police and citizens of Manhattan Borough left both confused and worried after a shocking robbery was committed sometime between 10 p.m. April 10th and 7 a.m. this morning. The burglars, whose motives and identities remain a mystery to police investigators assigned to the case, apparently, according to police officials, managed to break inside the New York Chief Medical Examination Building completely undetected by security and personnel on site. No sign of forced entry was found, and security employees are baffled that a crime was committed right under their noses. However, while the break-in itself leaves some stunned, it's what the robbers stole, which has the people terrified. The body of one Harrison Giles, a former administrator with the city planner's office, was reportedly missing well, sorry, was reported missing by senior staff with the medical examiner's office. Examiner Burton was tasked with performing a posthumous autopsy on the body to assist in the ongoing murder investigation of Harrison Giles when he discovered the body missing. Police were then called to the office, as well as a small team of state investigators who denied commenting on Mr. Giles and his murder's possible connection to the Seabury investigation. Captain Trevors, with Manhattan Borough Precinct 25, told reporters in a press release that while there was no evidence of a break-in, they noted a blood trail that led to an open back door. Police are asking anyone who was in the area between 10pm and 7am to come forward if you have any information pertaining to this crime. So that, that was, was that between 10pm last night and this morning? Yep. Yeah. While that hit the newspapers, quick. Um, so, Mr. Giles, uh, it's the same Mr. Giles we saw murdered in the right in the uh, back alley. That's why a curious they, coincidence. Why would they want his body? And see, now I'm I'm quite paranoid because if somebody was trying to break into the Arcane Society. We've seen some pretty weird shit. And I'm thinking, what if there is something that the Arcane Society possesses? You're going to look at me completely weird, but what if they had something that could raise the dead? And their purpose is to steal Giles's body and raise it from the dead for some purpose, information, Wow, I have lost. I really need some you know, more pancakes. You know, um, based off of what we've we've encountered and what we've seen over the years, I wouldn't put it past. And I'm I'm pretty much open to uh, anything happening. So don't don't. Uh, I mean, you could toss out these ideas. It might sound crazy to the others, but. Um, it's the ravings of a man who hasn't had enough pancakes. Oh, oh my God. I'll, I'll have a few more pancakes. By what? eating 16 pancakes, you've regained four sanity. No. Mm. <laughs> um, you found the magic fruit. You, <laughs> you found it. Fuck psychoanalyze pancakes. Um, okay. So yeah. So does anyone, does anyone want another one of these Thorazine pancakes? <laughs> so what now? You want to go to Fulton's? No, but I'll have a little more LSD coffee. Yeah. Uh, Just high as fuck. Actually, 
I actually, should we do sanity rolls? You can, yeah, By sure. Go ahead. Those two horrible things together. A lot of a, a lot of the sanity rolls. I'm going to leave kind of up to you because I don't want to restrict your characters. All right. Like, well, I got a spin, so you've seen plenty um, of bodies, so I don't want to be like a sanity roll every time you see a body. I'm I'm going to make a sanity roll, but not necessarily because of what was in the paper. More um, because. I got very anxious about something that I thought was going to be in the paper, but wasn't. Yeah. Go ahead. I, uh... Oh, and that's a fail. I'm going to write this up. Sanity roll, because I've never seen someone eat 16 pancakes before. That's a good, but he's, he's, he's better, so maybe just eat 16 pancakes and you'll be feel fine. Counteract it. It's gonna put me into a sugar coma. It's it's the rule. It's the rule of excess. See, if you eat fifteen pancakes, you just you just get bloated. But if you go that one more, if you eat sixteen, then it's like you've had a small meal, and you feel very relaxed and satisfied. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. It's like, it's like when you drive at um, one hundred and thirty miles an hour. Anything under 130, you've got absolutely no control at all. But when you hit 130, it's like cruising at 20. <laughs> try, try it. Try it. How, how, uh, does that relate, how does that relate to pancakes again? Sorry, I missed that. If you, if you eat 16, it's the perfect number. 15 okay, makes you feel bloated, but 16, perfect. I, I'm making a sand roll just because of the events in the past year. You don't understand. 16, 4 times 4. 4 is a perfect number. 4 pancakes on 4 pancakes equals 16. 16 is therefore four a perfect wheels. number. 4 wheels on the car. 4, four wheels. On my wagon. 4 sides of a cube? Yeah, but four, 4 is a very unlucky and number in Japan. Okay. I, just, I just take a swig of my coffee and start walking towards the car. <laughs> I, I feel my sanity roll, so <laughs> you want to give me on... Two points. I apparently ate too much of those yummy, delicious pancakes or something like that. Having a Thorazine overdose. <laughs> it's the yes. Szechuan sauce. All right. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to get a game-related question in at this point. Okay. Oh, okay. Go right. ahead. Give me a game-related question. Let's go. Okay. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Could Only I... if it involves pancakes, Jeff. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't. Could I do... I don't know if my character would know this or not but i'm wondering i don't know uh dead men don't bleed would my uh would my character know that or do you want me to roll for that first aid uh, that's just common sense i'd say you just say it out loud is that is that considered common sense yeah it's common sense so maybe he would have been dead for hours well, isn't it a coincidence so that the rob uh, the break-in happened on the same night? So maybe it wasn't blood, oh. from the, blood from the body. Hasn't it been a couple of days? That one well, uh, was it? No, it'd been, it would have been. It's only been yeah, it's only been two days. Um, however, if you remember, his the back of his skull was caved in. You could make the argument that what they're saying is a blood trail was bits of sinew. And we're just coming off. If you're going to go with the he rose from the dead angle, you got two angles. Guy was injured in the robbery or bits and pieces of sinew. It's really Please. your options. 
Which so we could go with the pancakes, which means it all wraps up. Illuminati yeah. confirmed. I don't know. Maybe we're reading too much into this, and we should just go investigate Fulton. Maybe. Let's go and see Mr. Fulton. Okay. Wait. I had this. I had this problem when I went to see the lawyer. Okay. I walked in and I basically met this lawyer guy, and I didn't know what to say. Does anybody have any idea what we're going to say to Fulton's when we get there? What What are we looking for? What are we? Or are we just going to go? I'm fine if we go. I'm just curious. Does anybody have any ideas? Well, let's see what we're trying to find out. We're trying to locate. Do we think that Mr. Fulton is possibly a, a dangerous character somehow involved in this and that he's looking for Tally because she, he wants to harm her and Timothy? That means that we have to be more careful. Well, I'm... You see, the, the, only, the only thing that, 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 that intrigues me really about this is that a guy like Fulton, I mean, if he wants someone, he just sends someone to get them and bring them to him. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what, that's what these, 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 these rich fellas do. But um, he went around there himself looking for her. That's that's kind of odd, don't you think? Well, let's think about her for a second. We know that she was using her gifts to contact the dead. So was Fulton trying to use her to contact the dead? And it, it could be because it does sound it's, it just it, to me it seems more like a, a personal thing to i mean otherwise these, these these swells they'll they, they'll normally send some muscle around if they right don't. could could fulton be behind the the two break like two break-ins we have no connection uh, there well because they did have like I just want to ask the GM that, or the keeper this. Uh, the stuff they use, is it like, what, like, I'm trying to f- where word this. Uh, are these like, could, uh, I can't, it's, I'm trying to word it. She seemed to, to say that, that they lit something. So, like, blasting caps? And are those used? I think this is where you're going, right, Dexter? Yeah. It could be used in, in construction, uh, especially if you're trying to dig out tunnels to build sewers. Maybe they got them off of a, an industrial I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to um, discreetly take um, Hawk off to one side for a moment. Okay. Um, just out of earshot of the others. Um, Can we assume, just for the sake of stuff, that you're walking to Fulton's? You're just kind of like walking down the block. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll just yeah. So I'll just I'll just kind of linger back with and, and, with, with and I, behind the and I also Clarify. I didn't necessarily mean like 
let's talk about all the things that Fulton could have done. I meant more like practicality. Like when we walk into this big, huge office, how are we going to see Fulton? what, are, you know what I mean? Like looking at our crowd, are we just going to be able to walk off the street and say, hi, we'd like a meeting with your president. You know. Well, we need, we need to know what our approach is going to be. If we think he's right. dangerous, that's one thing. Otherwise we could just go up and say, uh, we're looking for this, this woman. Uh, we understand from one of the neighbors that you also were looking for. Do you have any idea where she might be? I think okay. if, if just a couple of us go in to go and, um, to go and chat to him. Sure. And then that leaves the other four um, as, uh, as unknowns to him who can follow up other potential leads or take a different angle later on. Um, it, it won't sort of sour things for, for, for the rest of us. That's a good idea. Um, and also, if those other th those two don't go in there, and he does turn out to be something nefarious, and they don't come out after a certain time, we know something's up. So right. we, we, we would be the insurance as well. Right. So we're just trying to, to figure out how to approach the whole thing. Yeah, but I think, I think just sending a couple of people in there to just very upfront say, look, we've, we've been uh, hired to um, find uh, uh, Mr. Tucker and um, what, what was Tally's surname? Tally Darby. Darby. Um, and, 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 and Ms. Darby. Um, if I could inter intercept here. As you guys are walking, Hawk, you have a, you all of a sudden get a piercing headache. It's like someone's hammering a nail into the center of your head. Oh, we've been here before. And it's, this is also going to be, this is, the, while, while the headache is, is, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's something that happens. Your stomach just begins churning uncontrollably. And that's when. It's the pancakes. It's the pancakes. That's when Hawk stops on the sidewalk and basically projectile vomits blood onto the sidewalk bits of something in it and when you focus on the bits they're wriggling they're cockroaches i'm gonna make a sanity what? roll uh, yeah i'm making a sanity roll make sanity rolls. Yes. what were you eating uh, uh i just i have a very big problem with blood i'm not, I, I'm not going I, back I to did. that diner ever I, again and i have I, failed I, that. I, I failed that too yeah I'm henry being... Uh, I, I, I imagine I, I see this too, right? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll sanity, but I'm also gonna roll sanity. Two points of sanity. Two okay. points, you said. Two points. I have lost. That's what I rolled. What was that, Henry? I said I'm gonna roll a sanity, but I'm gonna roll roll a sanity with uh, penalty dice. Yeah. yeah, you know why. I, I think passed, I'm, I passed I'm, both uh, times, but I'll, I'll take one d four. Take one d four. I'm, you, I'm, you definitely... I'm going to make a constitution roll as well, I think. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I, past that, I, have just to, yeah. I, f I failed. How much do I lose? Um, 1d4. Everyone who fails, 1d4. Everyone who passes, take two. Hawk, when you vomit, the headache's gone. You're fine. I lose two. Yeah, thank you. You can see... The, the, <clears throat> You see, they're big cockroaches. They're, you know, they're wriggling about, and I'm, when they get on I'm, their... 
I'm waiting. I'm just going to carry on walking and wait up the road for them. I don't even want to stand there and look at it. I don't want to smell it or be near it or yeah. anything. Is there, is there one on its back and its legs are going like that? Sorry yeah. about that, folks. <clears throat> Oops. And Tommy, I think you need to take a second sanity roll because you turn and look at William and you realise he's still got his dressing gown on underneath <laughs> his jacket and he's totally forgotten. <laughs> You know, I, I have to say that there's something supernatural going on here because I really don't remember eating cockroaches. And Henry, you were well, going to say something. You remember, you remember those dates I gave you last night? Oh. Well. <laughs> Can I ask, Mr. Hawk, uh, were you dreaming about cockroaches? Uh-uh. No. no, but I was threatened by that that entity. No, but I I I on the other hand was dreaming about cockroaches. Oh. And cockroaches actually coming out of your mouth. You see why I asked you to tell me your dream? Well, oh no. My, I can't remember I I was I'm supposed in my dream I was meeting Williams. I can't remember who Williams is. William as in Ken's character. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Um all right, well, so you guys are walking William, down. William, hit him in the head with your boomerang. <laughs> I'll remember that. Huh. Uh guys just that, that passing thing. I promise all the time. So walk to Fulton's. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. <laughs> now I'm now I'm hanging back because I'm a little grossed out and stuff like that. But is Henry going to tell me what he was going to tell me? I don't know. Let's ask Henry. Yeah, I mean, I I, I pretty much give you. Uh, I'm sorry, Felix. Felix was going to tell me what. Felix. Well, look. Um, I'll check that we're out of earshot of the others. Um, we take our headphones off. No, I think no, that right. does. You, you, you already know what happened anyway. Um, Hawk, mm. um, Clifton, can I call you Clifton? Of course, you um, can, Felix. We're friends. I've, I've done something. I think I've got myself into a lot of trouble. Oh, um, yeah, I, um. When I when I went off to 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 do some investigating the other day, um, I, I saw this this fellow that I, I I remember seeing from a a show I gave in Atlantic City. He was in the front row, hmm? and um, something odd about him. So I followed him. He was behaving really strangely. He was like walking up and down and round in circles around this same area. And, making a phone call and then pacing around again. And so I followed him and he ended up on the subway. This was here? In New York, yeah. Okay. You think he was following you? Um, well, I was following him. I see. And um, Anyway, to cut a long story short, he, he got off the, 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 the subway train and so did I. I followed him. I didn't think he'd spotted me, but he had. Um, so I came round the corner, and there he was, with a with a gun on me. 
and uh, try, trying to get me to, to go into the bathroom with him. I, I, I think he was going to kill me. Um, so I had to take him out. And uh, I just I just left him lying there um, out, outside the bathroom in, in, in the subway. I managed to take his gun. I couldn't find his wallet. Um, there, there were people coming behind me. The, the, the police were there. I, I just kind of walked out and, and just hoped for the best. And I but, put my arms um, sort of around him. I said, did he say anything to you? Um, well, I know he was German. Oh. And he seemed to think that, that I knew something about him, which I, I, I didn't. I just I followed him because he, he looked familiar. And then he was behaving oddly. Um, but he was carrying this. I'll just sort of lean in and open my coat pocket a bit and just bring out just the, the, the handle of a Luger. You know, hmm. I think I think we might be dealing with spies. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. We certainly have Germans involved in this somehow. Look, Henry, uh, your secret's just that the way the way he was dressed, though. This uh, the way he was dressed sounds exactly like the way that woman and um, described the, the the men who came out of that building. So, and all of this, the way that it's planned, uh, the, 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 the way that it was meticulously planned and they had this uh, little explosive ready to, 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 to blow the lock. I mean, this, this all sounds, maybe I'm just reading too many dime store novels, but this, this all sounds like spies to me. Well, very well, maybe. We certainly know it's Germans. The Germans have been involved in this from the beginning, uh, right back that, to uh, right back to Arkham. That might explain why why they say that nothing was missing, because if it was something that was secret that wasn't meant to be there in the first place, then no one would know if that thing was missing, would they? You think they were retrieving something? I don't know. I mean, it could. This could just be a uh, could have just been a distraction while they were doing something else. I, I don't know. Well, but I, I'm. I mean, why else would they do it? They wouldn't just just go and blow that lock for no reason at all. Yeah. Let's let's keep this all. There must have been something. Let's keep this all in the back of our heads and uh, move forward, uh, Henry. This this whole whole shebang has had a horrible effect on all of us. Well, I, I, look, all I know is I'm, I'm, I'm keeping this gun. Well, maybe in the it's, future we'll find, maybe when this is all over, we'll find a nice place out in the country and uh, get a cat. Well, <laughs> we're going to say that you're at Fulton's. Love, love the role play. Uh, I, I, I want to get to Fulton. Okay. Before we end. All right. Um, 
okay who's who's going to go in and do this then? yeah i need to know who's going in because we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna bust in and and you're gonna talk to them well i'll stay in the lobby you always stay in the lobby <laughs> well i mean if we're playing the the whole if you're going to be up front the in my opinion the private two private eyes should go in mm. yeah that's probably mm. true Seems the best uh, idea. Yeah, I can go up there. Or one anyway. One, one. The real private eye and and the uh, the actor. Yeah, uh, the actor. All right. Well, shall we go up, Dexter? Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, just, we'll just wait down here in the in the foyer for you, and uh, I'll read um, one of these. Uh, yeah, let's go. One of these magazines. Oh, weird tales. I wonder what that's about. So, all right. It's um, about pigs because they have weird tales. All right. So, um, you guys enter into the lobby, and one of the very first things that you're struck by is just the sheer level of um, this skyscraper. It's very modern. Um, very modern. To your left, as you enter, you can see that there's an entire wall dedicated to basically all of Silver Star Enterprises subsidiary companies. Um, because Silver Star is the holding company that, ha that owns all these companies that give them the money. Um, you see, they have their hands in everything. Richardson Construction, Speedster Textiles, American Dream Crops, even a fish can company, uh, Berman Canneries. It's got like a little tuna fish, it's cute. But they, they got their hands in everything, even laundry. Um, you can also see that there is, as you walk in, um, there is a, a directory. They're not hiding where he is. It literally okay. says, George Fulton, CEO, 13th floor. Okay. Well, let's, let's go up to the 13th floor then. Which is odd, because they usually don't make a 13th floor. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, that is, yeah, no, that is like very, very, it's very called Triskaidekaphobia. They the number thirteen, and no, it's actually, yeah, I've friend that have it actually. No one is stopping you from entering. No one's stopping you from going up to the elevator. All right. No one's stopping you from getting in the elevator and going up to the thirteenth floor. Okay. When you go in. When you when the doors open to the thirteenth, you see that you've entered into a small like waiting room, um, with uh, a young blonde woman sitting behind a desk. There's rows of seats, um, and then two double doors that obviously lead into a, a rather large office. Um, the woman she looks up. The little placard on her desk says uh, "Mary," um, and she smiles up at you, and she says, uh, "Can I help you?" Yes, good morning. I'm afraid uh, I don't have an appointment. Uh, I'm Detective uh, Clifton Hawk. This is Detective Dexter Fowler. Uh, we were hoping to be able to speak for a few minutes to uh, Mr. Fulton. Well, give me just one moment, sir. If you would like to take a seat. Sure, thank you. Yeah, um, sure. She punches in on the intercom and she says, uh, Mr. Fulton, there is a uh, investigator Hawk here to see you, uh, and an investigator Fowler. 
Um, and she flips the switch and she says, he's currently in a meeting, um, but just give him a few minutes. I'm sure he's wrapping up. Of course. Thank you. Um, Thanks again. You sit there silently for a few moments, I guess. I pick Um, up a magazine, whatever's there. Sure. There's a magazine. Um, Evil cults and how to deal with (laughs) Oh, interesting. (laughs) So after a few moments, the door to Fulton's office opens. Um, There's a man dressed in a very nice suit. He steps outside, and then you can see um, the man who has been described to as Fulton. He's blonde, kind of, you know, trimmed hair, tall, handsome, muscular. He's, you know, he's just an average white guy. Stand up. Uh, you stand up. And uh, you can tell that the man in the nice suit, he's, he's, rather, he's red in the face. He's rather frustrated. Um, and he turns to Fulton, who's just kind of like, he's not, I mean, he's not like smiling. He's smirking kind of cockishly. Um, and uh, yeah, and I said cockishly. Everybody. I thought you said hawkishly. No, cockishly. He looks like a cock. <laughs> um, and uh, the man in the suit, he turns and he says, just because you think you can renege on the deal doesn't mean that there won't be repercussions. And Fulton just kind of holds up his hand and says, what's done is done. If your boss could offer me something better, I'd hold my end of the bargain, but unfortunately he can't. And he kind of shrugs. Um, the man then leans in. Give me a roll, Hawk, and Black Fowler. Listen, roll. 19. My lesson is 55. So I got better than half. Hard. Okay. What about you, Fowler? You're muted. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm muted. I was just quickly checking here. Uh, My listen, I do not make it, actually. I don't make it. So, Hawk, you hear the man lean in and mutter, this isn't over. You people can't and won't fuck with us. He turns around and he leaves. Um, Fulton then kind of, you know, he, like, that, that smirk is on his face, and he turns and he smiles to you and says, hello, George Fulton, and he holds a hand out. Mr. Fulton, very glad to meet you. Very glad uh, to meet you, and your name, name is, is... My name is Clifton Hawk. This is Dexter Fowler. Yeah. I do know Mr. Fowler. Uh, he's all over the city. Uh, I, <laughs> yes, he is. I believe yeah. I know you from his program. Why don't you come inside? Well, of course, it's an actor who plays me on the radio, but... Oh. Well, with what uh, Mr. Fowler's having you do on that show, I'm sure it is. Uh, I'm sure it's all fictional. And he kind of smiles and he says, why don't we step into the, uh, why don't we step into my office, gentlemen? All right. Yeah. That's... Um, you have a beautiful so get... building. And he says, well, thank you. 13 floors overlooks the city. Actually, St. Patrick's Cathedral is just right down the block. Um, and you step inside. It's a beautiful office. Um, he's got a view of the whole city, basically. I mean, everything that's not towering above him. 13 floors isn't wow. that big. Um, Quick question to the GM. Is it yes, Star sir? Enterprises? Yeah, it's Silver Star Enterprises. Silver Star. Okay. Um, 
he points to two kind of leather lounge chairs that are sitting in front of his desk, which is very big. Papers are all over it. Um, and he doesn't sit. He kind of like props himself up against the, uh, the table and he's kind of standing over you. Uh, well, he's not standing. He's, he, like I said, he's kind of sitting at the, uh, on the desk, crosses his arms casually. And he says, so, uh, investigators, what can I do for you? Well, um, we have been investigating. Uh, we, were, we were hired by a private uh, family. Uh, we are looking for a, a gentleman uh, named uh, Timothy Tucker. Uh, he worked for uh, the uh, planning, planning office uh, over at uh, City Hall. That's um, right. He's been missing for a number of days, and uh, we're following up leads. One of those leads is a woman named uh, uh, Tally Dorothy. Dorothy. Well, um, I was going to say, you say Timothy Tucker, and I think I've heard that name before, and then you say he's from the City Planning Committee. I think I, I remember reading about him disappearing. Mm -hmm. um, and he kind of chuckles to himself, and he kind of leans back. He says, uh, it's funny if you think about it. First, this Timothy guy, then Harrison Giles is murdered. And now, if I read correctly, too, a William Converse from that office is missing, too. I think mm. I read that one. Odd. Two. Who knew there'd be so much drama surrounding that boring office? Well, there's a, rather, there's a rather major investigation going on there that we don't have anything at all to do with. No. And he, and he nods. The place then, is locked down tighter than a... I won't say anything foul. And he smiles and he <laughs> says, well, thank you on my behalf. And there, who's the, the second name? You said uh, Tally Darby? Tally Darby. And, uh, and what connection does my company have with this Tally Darby or this Timothy Tucker? Well, sir... Um, one of our first lines of investigation was to question all of the neighbors in the neighborhood. And according to my notes, and I pull out my little thing, uh, you were actually seen on the block by a Mrs. whatever her name was. Dorothy Campbell, yeah. Dorothy Campbell. Uh, and you were in fact looking for Miss Tally Darby. So I was wondering what that connection means. So how do you know Miss Darby? And he kind of chuckles and smiles and says, I don't know any Tally Darby. I also definitely don't know any woman by the name of Dorothy Campbell. Oh, well, she's the nosy neighbor in the neighborhood. Yeah. I've necessarily spoken with her at all. She and recognized you from the paper. Oh, most people do recognize me from the paper, but also... Good work, by the way, that you have done with the community around you know, Staten Island and stuff like that. Yeah, it's quite a humanitarian move to, to donate the entire sewer system. Well, you know, I did it out of philanthropy. That entire, that entire borough was basically wallowing in its own filth. My hope is that the company and, of course, my holdings can help its people. You know, I actually grew up in Staten Island. Very poor, alcoholic father, absent mother, you know. He kind of waves it off. 
Well, we also noticed that um, another connection that we've made so far is that uh, uh, Miss Darby had been working for uh, uh, a number of gentlemen who live at, and I give them the address of the Arcane Society. And when you say that address, he nods as, now them I know. And he kind of smiles and says, well, you know, I had no idea that they were at all in cahoots. Uh, I have no idea that I will, first of all, like I said, I don't know a tally Darby, but uh, as for the Arcane Society, I have, uh, I have communicated with them. I offered a uh, guy quite a bit of money for that plot of land. We're planning on bulldozing that, uh, that area so that we can build the company headquarters. Right now, it's my, my manor at Lake Welch, but that's a drive for the other partners. I want something based yeah. here. I see. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm fully aware of the Arcane Society. Uh, I'm also aware that uh, the dilettantes from the former era once called it home, but, you know, hard times and all. Yeah, it's an old yeah. antiquated sort of thing that's, that's dying out in this age. That's yeah. what I... Well, that's why that's why I offered them so much money. So, so. you have no, uh, you have no idea of where this Miss Darby might be. She has a direct connection to Mister Tucker, and that's we want to speak with her. Unfortunately, no. When was uh, when did she go missing? Um, a few like I, I would say about a few days, a week. It was about a, two weeks ago. Yeah, there we go. Was the last time anybody saw her. Well, uh, honestly, I've been in Pittsburgh since about March 17th. I'm visiting a, a business partner of mine, uh, Vernon Hurst. We're currently in the process of building a coal mine in Pennsylvania. If you'd huh. like, and he turns to a phone, uh, I'd be more than welcome to uh, give Vernon a call and let you speak with him. Um, oh, that's not this. No, I don't. Yeah, it's not that bad of a... Are no. you sure? I could always also give you a receipt for the car service I used. Well, there's... And he, there's, sm and he, and he smiles... Like, like, during this whole conversation, you can see he's smiling very... Well, can I do a psychology role? But he's already made a few uh, oral mistakes by... Well, let's say that the oral mistakes were by me, but... Okay. His smile is very cunning. Okay. Yeah, you don't need to roll. Like he's just he's okay. smiling like this. He's like he's obviously being clever. But yes. He's also hiding something serious. He, he he is definitely. You can gather that he is being clever. He is being very clever, especially with him saying, "I can give you all these things conveniently." Hmm. Sure. Um, he then says, well, I, I hate to have bothered you. Um, oh. I was hoping that, you know, these are all leads that we have to follow as, as detectives. If, uh, yeah. If you hear anything more, would you mind contacting me? And I give him my card. When he says, well, I'd like to talk to you about the Arcane Society. Oh. Uh, oh. Well, we don't really know that much about them, only that they were tied. We've asked them if they know where she was. And, they have no idea. Well, it's a, it's a shame that uh, 
that guy turned down my initial offer. Um, but then again, what? he's a bit of a loon. Which um, was actually a very generous offer, by the way. Well, uh, of course, when he turned it down, I rescinded it, just, you know, hoping that eventually the property would become available. Hmm. Well, it very well might. <laughs> and he kind of raises his eyebrows while maintaining the smile and says, is that right? Yes. And he says, it's simply the nature of things in New York. I'm sure you understand, Mr. Fowler. And he smiles. Well, I, I know all about this, you know. It's just business. I, 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 uh, by the way, do you have anything to do with that, uh, that thing about putting ski, ski resorts on the tops of some of the buildings? It's golf courses. Golf course. That's what it was. I was wondering how they were going to do the skiing. That was seemed rather big. Um, he's, he's smiling. Um, however, Mary rings in and she says, uh, Mr. Fulton, you have a, a call. Uh, and he presses the button down and says, I'll take it in here. He picks it. He, 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 you're sitting right in front of him. He picks it up. Mm -hmm. says, this is Fulton. Reggie, uh, you're here for the number, huh? And he, uh, he pull, grabs a piece of paper, a legal pad, and kind of pulls it up. He says, the number is uh, NYC-CF, uh, or not CF, SF, I'm sorry, Reggie, SFC 1991.901. You got that? Do you need the address? I'll give you a, a, a call back. As he's doing that, um, go ahead and, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not even gonna make you roll for it. It's plain, painfully obvious. On the shelf in Fulton's office to his left, you're kind of looking around while he's taking the call. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that. Like, I'm looking around, kind of beautiful office. You can see that there is, um, you can see that Fulton is obviously a proud mason. Oh. Uh, there's a small oil painting of Fulton in full regalia. Mm -hmm. There's also a placard commemorating his donations to Lodge 873. Uh, and he hangs up and he says, well, uh, gentlemen, I know that you were already leaving. I seem to have just gotten busy. Uh, I wish I could help you all more. Um, well, th thank you there, uh, Mr. Fulton. Um, Unfortunately, though, I, I, if you were planning on getting in touch with me again, I am planning a trip to Lake Welch with some friends. Uh, we plan hunting. And he, and, and he kind of raises his eyebrows. We're going hunting. Hmm. Um, however, I, I do want to help. Um, is, it, is it deer season? What, yeah, what exactly are you hunting? I just, I just want to know. What exactly are you hunting there? We'll see when we get there. Uh, if I could... Uh, I'd like to, to do something. And he brings up his hand, and you can see he's got two rings on his fingers. And he's undoing one. This is just as a sign of good faith. Because I would like whoever this person is to come back safely as well. And if I, if I do know anything, if I can help in any way, or any of my companies can help, I'd like to provide that for you. So here, just as a sign of good faith, just so that you can hold on to it, and he holds out a ring. Because it's very personal to me. Uh, one of my Mason friends made it specifically for me. And 
I'm handing it to you just so that you know that I want to help you in any way possible. Uh, and you can give it back to me when everything's said and done, of course. Okay. I uh, pull out a handkerchief and, uh, and then place it there. Yeah. Um, as he's handing you the ring, you take notice of the other ring he's wearing. It's mm -hmm. clearly a mason ring. Um, but it seems unnecessarily lavish. Uh, it's made of like white gold, obviously. It's got gems in it. There's writing all over it. Um, give me a cult rolls. Oh, 07. Double oh, 07. I don't make it. Do, 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 do. He's wearing it on the wrong finger. Masons wear rings on a very specific finger. I'm pretty sure it's like your your right middle finger. I want to say that's correct. Don't quote me. It's on a specific so finger. He's wearing it on the wrong finger for a mason. Okay. Yes, he's wearing it on his left index finger, which is very, very that's the wrong finger. Um, and he hands it to you, the ring. And he what says, feather? What what finger was he wearing? The one that he took off. Uh, he was wearing it on his uh, right index finger. Okay. And, he and he hands it to you, uh, and it's just a normal ring, it looks right. like, a pretty average ring. Well, um, here's my card, and... Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, between you and me, I think that the, uh, the Arcane Society is, uh, is planning on moving. Most of their, uh, most of their more... Uh, Esoteric objects have already been moved. Oh, that's a shame. Well, I'm sure that the uh, I'm sure that the arcane society here will get back on its feet. And he smiles at that. And I'm I'm thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Um, Thanks. Drop by any time. And he smiles and kind of leaves you outside. And as soon as you are, you're out, he closes the door very slowly, and he's just grinning up a storm. Okay. And that's it. We can end it there. All right. Our players included Mick Swan, Jeff Wilkins, Corey Heisted, Ken Trench, Wayne Worthy, and myself with Thomas McKeon, as the Keeper of the Secrets. We're currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. We have some announcements about our patrons. Lauren Eason has increased his pledge to $20 a month. Wow. And one of our new players, Morgan Llewellyn, has contributed $5 a month. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. If you'd, like you. become, if you'd like to become a patron, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar or two a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We love reading them. This is Tom Rayleigh together with all the members of our gaming club inviting you to journey with us under Into the Darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. Thank you.